Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. And today's episode is about you. Our title today is The Seven Mindset Habits That Lead to Law Firm Growth. And my guest is Michael Mogill from Crisp Video Group. I'm your host, Christopher Anderson, and I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. My team at How to Manage a Small Law Firm and I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In the Unbillable Hour, each month we explore an area important to growing revenues, giving you back more of your time, and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. I start with the fundamental premise that a law firm business exists primarily to provide for the financial, personal, and professional needs of you, its owner. And in this program, I have a chance, an opportunity, and a privilege to speak to you as I do in presentations across the country about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. But before we get started, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsors, Answer One, Solo Practice University, and Scorpion. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. That's www, then a dot, then answer, the number one, dot com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you've been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com and learn how to run your practice better. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Seven Mindset Habits That Lead to Law Firm Growth. You are the source of the creativity that will grow your business. You are also the source of the solutions to your business problems and the source of the power to find and convert the opportunities you see into benefits for your clients, your stakeholders, and yourself. But let's be honest, you're also the source of many of the problems in your business. And how you approach all of this is largely defined by what is often summed up in the term mindset. My guest today is Michael Mogill. Michael is the founder and CEO of Crisp Video Group. In his business, where he helps lawyers around the country showcase what they do to help their clients, Michael sees mindset at work and has developed a list of traits that he sees associated with law firm growth. So let's get started with seven mindset habits that lead to law firm growth. And let's introduce Michael. Michael, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. First of all, my introduction of you was really brief because I'm really bad at introductions. You are the CEO of Chris Video Group. Could you just explain briefly what does your business do for law firm owners? Absolutely. So Crisp Video, uh, we work with law firms all over the country, and essentially 
we help them with everything from their content strategy to actually producing video content and even implementing it and marketing it. But I think what's unique about us is we really help attorneys differentiate themselves and really set themselves apart, really to articulate why someone should choose to hire them over another firm and really clearly articulate what their unique value proposition is. Because we've realized that in very, very, very saturated markets, the legal industry is super competitive. There's no shortage of legal options. Being able to stand out and being able to be seen and seen as a human being, ultimately, <laughs> in that fact that consumers do business with human beings and not as a commodity is very important when it comes to attracting better clients and cases. Right. Because I mean, as we've learned, and I don't want to get too much into marketing, but as we've learned in other ones, people do business, generally speaking, all things being equal with people they know, like, and trust. Um, and this personifying the lawyer would really help. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's realizing that people aren't always just investing in legal services. They're ultimately investing in you. So uh, being able to to clearly communicate your story, your why, why you do what you do. Because if, if you put yourself in the consumer's position, when they're searching online, they're visiting multiple legal websites and everybody's saying that they provide aggressive representation and they are super lawyer and they've got a 10 AVO rating. Yeah, it's exactly. very difficult for consumers to discern who's good and who's bad, right? Yeah, they're very limited in their ability to do that. So it is about yourself and, and communicating and, and making yourself approachable, which leads us to the topic for today, which is all about you. And you've recently read, as I have, a fantastic book by Carol Dweck, that's D-W-E-C-K, called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. And uh, you then turned around and wrote a uh, what I, th I thought was a really great blog post about the growth mindset that uh, you entitled The Seven Mindset Habits of the Attorney Behind Today's Fastest Growing Law Firms. Before I want to go through that list of seven for our listeners, but before we do that, um, I want to cover with you just like the two overarching mindset types that both of us learned from the book um, that I think really speak volumes to the way lawyers can think about their business and think about their lives, and that is the, uh, the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And I certainly recommend, by the way, that our listeners read this book. Like nothing bad can come from reading this book. It is fantastically insightful for business, for raising kids, um, et cetera. So let's get into it. There's two mindsets in the book, fixed mindset and growth mindset. Um, can you explain like what's your understanding, first of all, what is the fixed mindset? Yeah, so I mean, I guess to really cover this from the top, um, mindset is ultimately the belief that people have about the nature of talent and ability. And with, when someone mm -hmm. has a fixed mindset, they see that things like intelligence, abilities, talent, that is unchangeable. That is something you, you're you born a certain way and this is it, right? Whereas somebody with a growth mindset believes that those types of skills and talents can be developed, intelligence can be grown. And this is very actually, you can extrapolate this and they, and they did. They've actually done multiple studies where they've not just on young children, but also Fortune 500 companies and so on and found that when you have a fixed mindset, you like the way that you approach challenges and problems and even aspects of your business can be very resistant. It's kind of the, the whole unfairness, reactivity, blame, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you've got a growth mindset, you've got accountability and abundance and so on. And I also want to say, because I'm sure every time I, I talk about mindset, this comes up. And I promise this is not some like kumbaya, the secret. Like if you, <laughs> if you think it, you know, it will materialize itself into your life. But the reality is, and, and what I found, uh, and was the reason why I wrote the blog post, we also did a uh, webinar on it, was just that, you know, there's all of the things that you approach in your business, the marketing strategies, the tactics, the business development, the operations, and, and those, you know, those things are certainly very important, but it always comes back to mindset. I mean, you can learn all the different tactics that you can, but the mindset is like, and the mindset that you carry into that 
it ultimately will determine whether you're successful or not. And we find that the firms that are the absolute most successful carry a growth mindset. And do you find also that the mindset of the leader, of the owner of the business, whether it be fixed or whether it be growth, and how they use that mindset to manage other people in the business, do you find that, that that makes its way into the culture of the business and affects other people's mindsets? Absolutely. It's top down. I think the mindset of the leader or the leadership team that percolates throughout the entire organization. I mean, I, I remember reading in this in the study they did on uh, Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies that employees with fixed mindset companies that were at an organization where the leadership had a fixed mindset, their employees took on fewer projects, they cut corners, um, they kept secrets from coworkers and employees, they just tended to not handle setbacks well. And while those companies where the leadership carried a growth mindset, those guys, they felt empowered and committed, and those businesses significantly outperformed the ones with fixed mindsets. Sure, because I think, especially in today's world, I mean, I think there was a time when fixed mindsets were more common and therefore didn't give a competitive disadvantage. But like in today's, like what, one of the things that jumped out at me was the, the fear of failure that comes out of a fixed mindset. If you believe I am who I am and I am what I am, then any failure means that I'm a failure. Therefore, I can't ever exhibit failure. Therefore, the best thing for me to do in this business is keep my head down, which stalls businesses out. Yeah. What's the opposite of that? Like, how, how can the growth mindset really help people inside a business? Well, it's just realizing that, that the mind is malleable. If you look at it, uh, I remember Carol Dweck, when she talked about that five-year study they performed on, uh, mm-hmm. on school children, when they yeah. were just identifying various thought patterns that were indicative of success. And when children had this belief that they were either just born, if they were born smart, or if they were born dumb, right? And that's just the way it was, and this is the, the hand that they were dealt, and this is the way their life is going to be. But when those children were taught that the mind was malleable, you know, the students looked up. I remember there was a quote where one said, like, you know, you mean I don't have to be dumb? And a fire was lit under him, right? I mean, imagine what a difference that yeah. can be across you know their entire lives. And it's very much the same as a business owner. If you believe that things just happen to you, and it's you know that won't work in my market, and I just uh, I'm up against these huge law firms, I'll never be able to compete against because I can't invest in marketing what they can. Um, you just believe you're screwed from the very beginning. Then more than likely you probably will be. But the, I have seen Chris, just as you have, in every single market across every single practice area, even guys in South Dakota. <laughs> That are that are succeeding in spite of any barrier. Oh my that, gosh! That yes. you, you would hear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've yeah we've seen lawyers build million plus, two million, five million dollar practices in criminal law in rural Wyoming. Uh, family law firms, multi million dollar single owner, multi million dollar law firms in uh, Kennewick, Washington. I mean, yeah, the market like all the excuses about the market's not big enough, um, it's too competitive, et cetera, et cetera. Like, they're all just excuses because if the vast majority of the competition is no competition at all, if you just commit yourself to doing the things that you need to do. One of the things I think that's dangerous though, like we're talking about fixed mindset. I can just see our listeners right now. They're like sitting there going like, am I fixed mindset or am I growth mindset? Which one am I? And of course I want it. It sounds like they're saying growth is better. So am I growth? And if I'm not, and here's the great irony, if I'm fixed mindset, now I'm thinking that I'm fixed mindset and I'm a loser, and I can't, I can't get anything done. So one of the things that really jumped out at me is that we're all both, right? We, all of us walk around with growth and fixed mindset issues. Absolutely. And, and I'll just tell you, even through my experience, I think as you're growing and scaling a business, you know, you kind of 
I think the growth of a business is directly proportional to the mindset of the CEO. And as you're going to that next level in terms of, you know, getting to the business to a certain point, you know, 250,000 to 500,000 to a million, you know, 2 million and beyond that, like that mindset shifts and the mindset that you have towards things has to grow, but it really starts with adjusting your mindset. So things like, you know, there was a time where, you know, I, I struggle with, you know, are we going to invest a hundred dollars a month in marketing? Like, wow. Like, you know, I had to get over that and then get over a thousand a month and then get over a hundred thousand a month. I mean, those were all mindset shifts. So it wasn't something where it was just born a certain way. I mean, it's, I guess inherently it's basically what we're saying is that you have to overcome those things. But if you really are thinking about that kind of stuff and that, you know, I really need to develop and grow my mindset before I can really impact all these other aspects within my business, you'll see what's holding you back. Indeed. So, I mean, I see you, I, I'm on the road less than I used to be, but any time I'm out, I see you almost everywhere I go. So I know that you're speaking with hundreds, probably thousands of lawyers a year from both sets of mindsets. And in this blog post, you've basically written about how you've seen a pattern of what you've called mindset habits that correlate well with that success. What we're going to do here is we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and I'm going to ask you about, first of all, the patterns that you've seen and what are these mindset habits. And then we'll go through and figure out the seven mindset habits that you've observed um, for our listeners to begin to work on their mindsets, because I think you describe it really well as a mindset habit. So we'll come back from break and we'll be talking about that. This is Christopher Anderson. I'm with Michael Mogill on the Unbillable Hour. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 or visit them at answerone.com slash podcast for a special offer. That's answer1.com slash podcast. Feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. And we're back on the Unbillable Hour with Michael Mogill, and we're talking about mindset habits. In fact, we're about to talk about the seven mindset habits that lead to law firm growth. Um, Before we went on the break, I had observed that Michael meets thousands of lawyers out on the road every year and uh, has observed these patterns of mindset habits that he's correlated well with success. But so before we get into the list, Michael, can we just talk a little bit about what do you mean by mindset habits? Because we were just talking about mindset um, as, as something about your beliefs. So what's a mindset habit? Yeah, this one was actually interesting because uh, I looked and I really kind of stepped back and I took a look at all the firms at which we work with. And I asked myself, well, why is it that there's a certain percentage of these guys are significantly outperforming the large majority and it's not because of the size of their firm. I mean, they're all solos and small firms. It's not the market that they're in. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and find out like what what were the things that these guys were doing that was different from everybody else? Because I mean, tactics and strategies and all those things considered weren't all that different. And these were the ultimate mindset habits that I developed. But I also took a look at even within our own business as we've grown and, and we've doubled year over year and you know, we got Inc. 5,000, all that stuff and really considered what are the things to, to be very intentional 
what are the, what are the mindset habits are the things that we're doing day in and day out and that leaders are doing day in and day out that are contributing this kind of success. So as we looked, I mean, it, across our clients, it's, you know, several hundred law firms and looked at, okay, the top 20%, what are they doing? It really built this list. And, uh, and together we also attributed, well, what are the things that can be good indicators of whether this stuff is actually being done and on what are some actionable ways to, uh, to actually have these mindset habits and to actually start building upon them and so on. Uh, because it's one thing for us just to talk about them and say, you either got it or you don't, but it's another thing to say, well, how can I develop that and how can I actually improve and so on? And there's always a way. Right. Absolutely. So let's learn about that. So you listed in your in your blog post seven mindset habits that you found do correlate well with success. Um, the first one that you listed was ambition. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. I mean, with ambition, this is one of those things where it's it's a way of thinking. And it's also, it's interesting because there's two ways to, to approach this, right? Um, at its worst, you're someone who sees your biggest growth and achievements as being in the past. And you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, we were a great firm 10 years ago. You know, it used to be uh, so much better. Things were phenomenal. We were crushing it. But that's always, you know, it was always better before. Uh, whereas when you're at your best, you see that everything you've done in the past is preparation for much greater growth and achievement in the future. So everything that you've learned to this point, now you're ready uh, to really take all that to the next level. But another thing is just, it's being able to take calculated risks and focus on execution. So I know that this is, especially when, when we're talking with law firms and attorneys, and you, know, you hear the word risk, right? I mean, I, I think everyone just getting, gets nervous right off the bat, but it's being able to learn from implementation and failure. And also mm-hmm. it's the belief that by not taking risks uh, and not making those investments uh, within your business, that that's an even greater impediment to growth. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think this is a really key point that you bring up about risk and about failure. And uh, this is right right where the, the fixed mindset gets us into trouble because failure, we don't learn by success. Nobody learns by succeeding. Um, you learn by failing, right? You didn't learn how to ride a bike by jumping on it and, and successfully riding it. You learned how to ride a bike by jumping on it and falling. But in particularly lawyers, I mean, lawyers, you're right, are risk averse. We're trained to be risk averse. And I think what's important here is that they separate the risk aversion that they have in how they manage their clients' problems, you know, because they're supposed to give the best possible advice you can. You don't give risky advice, you give the best advice you can, versus how they manage their business and the risks that are appropriate to take there. Is that basically what you meant by the mindset habit of ambition? Absolutely. It's just believing that you have the ability, um, just when you're seeing uh, another successful business owner and they've achieved some level of success, it's believing that if they can do it, I can do it, right? If there's another firm in your market that is tremendously successful, if they've been able to pull that off, so can you. Uh, And it's interesting because I was reading another book, so Principles by Ray Dalio, a phenomenal book if uh, anyone has not read that yet. He talks about the shift that he had in terms of his mindset towards failure and that he wasn't he was no longer approaching it as a uh, as a bug, but more importantly as a as a feature. In that, like you know, failures were very very helpful to him in terms of learning experiences and, and in terms of him being able to master any sort of subject. And this is somebody you who know, was the founder of Bridgewater. I mean, he's it's probably one of the world's largest hedge funds. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. very very successful. Fantastic. And then the last thing you talked about, which I definitely don't want to miss in talking about ambition, because you talked about belief belief that you can succeed, willingness to fail on the way to succeeding. You've talked about, you know, if anybody else can do it, that means I definitely can do it. And quite honestly, even if other people haven't been able to do it, I can probably do it. But the one thing I want to make sure, because you, you talked about this in your article, and I want to make sure people hear it clearly, is the, the other component is the desire to succeed, right? 
not just sort of it would be really nice if it happened, but that desire to succeed being a key part of the mindset for ambition. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also knowing that, okay, you can have this ambition. It doesn't mean you've got this full confidence that everything is going to go perfectly. That's not the case at all. In fact, I mean, I think true courage is not just, you know, storming in with confidence. It's being terrified, but doing it anyway. Right. I mean, that's generally uh, how it's gone. And I look back on my life experiences as, you know, my family and I immigrating here, not speaking the language, not having like, I mean, it was two parents, my brother and I and our grandparents with 500 bucks starting over, you know, to be able to, uh, to grow and build a business uh, after all these years. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So it's, it, it really just does start with ambition. It's the belief that you can do it. And, uh, and if you don't have this belief or, you know, you're, you're still listening to this and you're, you're getting, you know, there's a lot of skepticism there. I think a lot of that really comes down to the people you surround yourself with. Uh, because if you're around a lot of guys that are also sharing that kind of mindset and that belief system of, well, this won't work. And like Uber and all this stuff is just destroying our market and legal zoom is totally you know messing everything up and that's those are the types of people that you surround yourself with well that's the mindset you'll carry towards ambition as well but if you're around guys that do believe that they can disrupt the market and they can uh, ultimately grow and improve their businesses and they're ultimately scaling then you know you're going to have much more ambition because you're going to be surrounding yourself with people that share that Excellent. Excellent. So I want to turn now to the next mindset habit that uh, you talked about in your in your article. And that was engagement. First of all, what do you mean by engagement? So engagement, you know, I define as the emotional and functional commitment uh, that an individual has to their organization. So it's it's basically uh, it, to put it simply, do you know <laughs> what's going on in your business? Like how yeah, in yeah. tune are you with what's going on in your business? And and not just like, you know, your numbers and metrics, because those are absolutely important, but also what about the sentiment of your team members? And what about the sentiment of your clients, you know, knowing what types of experiences they're having what, and so on? Like, can you keep the pulse of your business? Exactly. So, so that's, yeah, that's what it means to be engaged is really, do you know what's going on? So why is this mindset habit really important to the success of the business? Oh, well, I mean, it's just for so many components, because if you're a disconnected leader and you're essentially, um, you're away somewhere, you don't know what's going on. I mean, the inmates are running the asylum essentially, right? Your team is working with a lack of clarity. There's uncertainty amongst employees and they don't feel engaged and there's no connection. I mean, the, the prevailing theme, I, I think across all of these mindset habits is it's always from the top down and that the engagement level of a leader or a CEO directly impacts the engagement level of, of his or her team. So when you are engaged in your business, you know, you know your business, you know your numbers, you know what's going on, you've got a great pulse on this. You know, and, and Dale Carnegie, I mean, they did a study, I think, on 1,500 employees uh, to dig in what creates this type of employee uh, engagement. And they actually found that like 71%, I believe, 70, 71% of all employees were not fully engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just like with the ambition and just like with the growth mindset we were talking about, it's got to be a top-down thing, right? If the owner's disengaged, I don't think you would probably end up with a very engaged staff, and that can cause real problems. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's and what does that mean? Because all these things, all these mindset habits, I think you'll find as, as we go through all of them, there's there's the impact that it makes on you, but then there's the impact that it makes on your team. And then ultimately, you bring all these things full circle, that makes an impact across the board on your business and your financial health and just your stress levels, your energy, all of those different factors. I mean, it all comes full circle. And you don't mean to suggest that to be engaged in your business, that you need to be in the trenches, working in the business side by side with everybody every day, do you? 
Absolutely not. It does. So uh, it doesn't mean, um, and I will talk about one of the other later mindset habits. I don't want to give that one away, but okay, it, it yeah, does yeah. not mean that you are in every meeting, answering every phone call, answering every email. It just simply means that you have set up uh, the right systems and structures and processes where you can keep uh, the pulse on the metrics and data within your business. Like the, you know, the five dials, like within our business, for example, you know, I call them the five dials. Uh, it's kind of like the analogy to like pilots, for example, like within a, right. a pilot's cockpit, you've got, you know, a hundred dials. You can't possibly we keep track of every single one of those but there are like five key dials and five key business indicators and metrics where if something's off with one of those then you know where to dig further so it, it's one of those things where you don't need to be in all the details by any means but you should have a way to be able to measure are we succeeding are we failing and if there is a problem that there's a good process in place to ensure that there's clear accountability which <laughs> perfect word for the segue to the next mindset habit the next mindset habit that you wrote about in fact was in fact accountability. Um, so just like I asked with engagement, first of all, before we launch into why accountability is important for the business and who we're holding accountable, let's just first of all talk about what do you mean by the word accountability? So there's a lot of definitions for accountability, and I love this word. I mean, our, my team will, will hear me say this on a daily basis. Probably it's my, my most used word in my vocabulary, but uh, essentially it's clear commitments that in the eyes of others have been kept. So some people define it as doing the things you say you're going to do, but I think it's important to really distinguish it from in terms of when you're talking about accountability and somebody is making a commitment, the way in which those commitments are made and executed upon, uh, just as an example, if, if someone says they're going to execute on a marketing strategy, right? And let's say they do an email campaign and the email campaign goes off, but it's not, it's not successful. In their mind, they can say, well, I did send the emails technically, right? I mean, right, that's, that's, right. I was accountable for sending the emails. But if where you were holding them accountable was for our actual online marketing and the actual accountability there tied to a metric that probably is tied to leads, for example, um, then that's not a, uh, a clear commitment that in your mind would be kept. So it's very important that there's full clarity over like how you're measuring that accountability, what that means. Um, it's not just simply saying, well, here's what you're responsible for. It's ultimately meaning here's what you own. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Exactly. Here's what you own. And in fact, I found it fantastic to push that a little bit farther, um, in uh, I, I attended the Lean Startup Conference the past a couple of weeks ago, and one of the accountabilities that they have is like, listen, okay, you you weren't responsible for sending out the emails. That's nothing. The fact that you sent out a thousand emails does nothing for this business. Leads are a good measure, or at least learning, right? So leads as a measure might lead to sort of a fixed mindset because you got the same problem. Okay, I got leads. They all sucked, but I got leads, but. Yeah, you know, what did you get and what did you learn would be a great accountability in that circumstance. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to say, I mean, it's always whatever you're measuring somebody on should be some sort of indicator, ultimately, that they can control, but ultimately something that's not always tied to the final number. So we don't just say, OK, well, what was, you know, someone you're accountable for the revenue or you're accountable for this many clients, whatever it is. But what are those leading indicators that lead to that ultimate result? And just like in ambition and engagement, how can a leader in a business use the mindset habit of accountability to demonstrate to their staff that accountability? How can they make sure that they're being held accountable to something as well? Oh, yeah. So this is, uh, this is a great one in the sense that, for one, you've got to have full clarity. Um, only one person can really be accountable per item. So like if, if the two people are accountable, then really no one's accountable. But accountability starts from the top. And you really, you know, again, if you want to hold other people accountable, you too have to be willing to be held accountable. And in my mind, you get what you allow. So if somebody is not following through on a commitment that they've made, um, you really do have to hold those types of people accountable. I mentioned sometimes like Randy Pausch uh, in the last lecture, he says that when, when you're screwing up, 
and nobody says anything to you anymore, that means they've given up on you. So yeah. one of the best ways to instill accountability is really just hold people accountable too. Excellent. All right. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to talk about the last four of the seven mindset habits that uh, you talk about in your article. Um, I'm on with uh, Michael Mogill talking about the seven mindset habits that lead to law firm growth. This is Christopher Anderson on the Unbillable Hour, and we'll be right back. Ready to create and build your own solo or small farm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals, Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than a thousand classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. And we're back with the Unbillable Hour. I've got Michael Mogill of Crisp Video Group. We're talking about seven mindset habits that lead to law firm growth. And we've gone through the first three. We talked about ambition, engagement, and accountability. And now I'd like to ask you, Michael, you listed, I was sort of surprised by this one. This, the, the next habit, I guess the fourth habit in our list here, uh, was respectfulness. Respectfulness is a mindset habit. What do you mean by that? Oh, man, this one is so, so, so important. And at the Harvard Business Review, they did a study on 20,000 employees around the world, and they found that no other leader behavior actually had a bigger impact on employee engagement. And this really comes down to not just how you're treating your employees, but also how you're treating your clients and vendors and really everybody around you and what a difference that can make in terms of the results that you get out of them and, and actually the output that you get uh, out of the people that you work with. So this is such a huge, huge factor. And I see people that just aren't very mindful of this one um, in the sense it's amazing the results you could get. I mean, I think they were talking when there's a lack of respect, there's um, a lower focus uh, and prioritization amongst employees, like 92% lower, lower job satisfaction, lower engagement, and all that stuff. I mean, all those types of things, when there's a lack of engagement and job satisfaction and there's turnover, it, that's expensive, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the, you, yeah. know, you invest all this money in hiring somebody and training somebody and they turn over. Hiring somebody new is not just expensive from a financial standpoint, but also the time cost and, and how that can prevent your business from growing. So this is such an important factor because building a great culture and building a great team I mean, you know, we have a huge focus within our business and our culture and core values. And, you know, I define culture as this is how, you know, I don't know if we can bleep the word out, but like things get done around here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no, there's no FCC on podcasts. You can say it. Yeah. So that, that's how we define it. I mean, it's basically it's how things get done. It doesn't mean yeah. like necessarily scooters and ping pong tables and all that stuff. But Jack Welch, I mean, he's famous for saying like, you know, uh, no company, you know, large or small, can win over the long run without energized employees who believe in the mission and understand how to achieve it. And if you're really looking to grow and scale, you've got to get full buy-in from your team. Absolutely. And part of respectfulness, I mean, you, you said it helps to drive their engagement. It keeps them together, keeps them focused on the mission. Can you give like an example of a failure to show respect to your team? Like how would we see the negative of this? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it's when team members aren't treated like, you know, like they're contributors to the team, but, you know, I pay you X amount, you know, you do this, this, and this. When I see uh, leaders, this is, it still amazes me to this day. Um, when I see leaders like yelling at team yeah, members yeah. Um, or just emotionally going off on team members or you know, just completely knocking them down and like, you know, all those types of factors. And you have to really ask yourself, like, would you give your all for an employer who doesn't respect you? I mean, 
think about like the level of effort that you would put in um, when you're treated like shit all day, essentially, and when you're treated as disposable, right? Saying, oh, yeah, everyone's replaceable, right? You're replaceable. And when someone feels that way, I can promise you they're not going to be as engaged. And that's going to also trickle down to how do you think those employees then speak with clients and how do you think they right. handle phone calls and, how, you know, right. all those things. I mean, those, those are huge factors, too. Yeah, that's got to show up, right? I mean, the against how you treat your people. And I'll just throw in there also, just from my perspective, one of the greatest ways to show respect to your people that I've learned is about really understanding and taking the time to understand why they come to work for you. You know, actually taking the time. I think uh, I was just reading The Virgin Way uh, by uh, Branford. And it is really clear from you know how he writes and how important it is to just Take the time to have a 10, 15, 20-minute actual real conversation about their job and about what brings them to work um, as a way of showing them respect. Absolutely. I mean, it's really getting down and really understanding what do they care about, what's important to them. I mean, even if things outside of your business, really getting to understand what are the challenges. I mean, I've, I've met with many of our team members where we just kind of break down their finances. And I personally enjoy this stuff in terms of being able to help them be able to pay down debts and student loans and things like that and really come up with a good game plan. And that shows that you're really invested in them. And as a result, they'll be invested in you and the business. You can connect with them and they're going not just perform better but you're also going to have a much better pulse on what's going on in your business. So I find that when you've got respect between the team, and it's not just between the leadership and the team members, it's also amongst the team members themselves, that in itself really does increase the value of a company. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the next one so we get them all in um, during the podcast. Openness to change. You said that the next mindset habit that's really important in the success of a business is that the leadership, that the owner be open to change. Um, and not succumb to the, you know, we've always done it this way fallacy. So talk a little bit about that. Why is that a mindset habit? Well, because, I mean, if you look at the downside of this, um, on the other side, I mean, there's a couple companies like Blockbuster and BlackBerry, you know, and where, <laughs> where are they today? Who? I mean, yeah. right. I mean, it's it's funny. Like the CEO of Blockbuster, I remember he turned down the opportunity to buy Netflix in 2000 because yep. he thought that it was an irrelevant niche market. I mean, isn't that just unbelievable here listening to that? Um, yeah. The same thing with BlackBerry. I mean, they once represented, I think, 50% of smartphone sales. Now they've got less than 0.3% simply because they failed to adapt to like touchscreen design and like the whole app revolution. So, you know, change is always happening. I mean, that the marketplace is always evolving. And as a result, I think your mind needs to as well. Um, when you've got a fixed mindset and you're not open to this stuff and you're saying, oh, we've always done it this way, so we're not going to do X or we're not going to try this. Not only does that just limit opportunity, but it's a great way to go out of business. I mean, it's a phenomenal way to actually to go out of business. Yeah. Um, the other thing uh, that's you know probably less obvious is that I've seen in leaders of successful companies, um, they can fall victim to the fact that when they've experienced a certain level of success, they continue repeating those same actions that kind right. of brought about the initial success long after it stopped working. So like they'll continue to do the billboards and radio ads and so on, and you know because it worked ten years ago while everybody else is shifting towards something else. And it, again, it's just, it's believing that you can continue to do the same things and the same old thinking that, you know, that ultimately is going to lead to the same old results. That's right. Yeah. That's what built this firm. You know, that's that you, you hear that, you just hear that. Um, and, and I said Branford before Richard was Richard Branson. I'm going to cite the version way again, because uh, I, there was a quote from there that really stuck with me that hits this one, which was, if it ain't broke, break it. <laughs> and, and that's how he's, uh, you know, built his, his empire of brands. And I think that's a really great way to think about it, which I think leads us right into openness to change means openness to learn. And you, you listed uh, learning um, as another mindset habit, you know, a habit of learning. What do you mean by that? And what is it to have a habit of learning? And why is that an important mindset? 
Yeah, I think it's just it's always it, it's having a thirst for knowledge. I mean, it's one, it's surrounding yourself with other great thinkers, um, other people that execute on their own advice. I mean, reading and researching and asking questions, it's staying on top of emerging trends and technology. And and look, I get it. You know, if it, you went to school for law school to be a lawyer, but you know, you're thinking, well, why should I learn marketing or why should I learn business management and finance and all that kind of stuff? Uh, and the reality is, it's so you can think more strategically and and also. So, so you can avoid potential blind spots. I can tell you, I mean, I speak with countless firms that um, they're not as successful as they once used to be. And they tell me like, you know, every year the revenue is going down and they're losing cases and they can't even tell you why. And I, that to me is just terrifying. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about blind spots, like you don't know what you don't know. And if you're not open to change and if you're not a lifelong learner, uh, you can put your business in this you know, so-called, I guess, prison of mediocrity and wasted potential. So really encouraging a culture of, of learning and not just, you know, for yourself, but also amongst your team is very, very important. I mean, you and I, I mean, we cited countless books throughout this podcast that we're reading. I mean, it's, you know, it's always staying on top of that. And it's amazing. It's believing that, wow, you know, I, I have this thirst for learning more um, and really considering how other people think and other successful thinkers and other successful business owners and CEOs, I mean, you know, they've got something figured out that perhaps I do not. So I do want to learn from them. Yeah, and God for nothing, it's fun, right? It's a, when you're learning, you're alive. And if you're not learning, you know what? Somebody else is, and they're going to eat your lunch. I mean, I, I think it's plainly that clear. So let me just move on to the the last one of the seven mindset habits that you listed, and that is to set clear expectations. And I think we've alluded to this one throughout, but I think this is one that you really want to seize on. What does it mean for you to set clear expectations? So setting clear expectations, this is so important because if you don't have clear communication and full clarity, I think the research has shown that, you know, more than 50% of managers, they don't set, you know, clear employee goals and expectations. And what happens if you don't define your goals? I mean, how can you expect for your team members to achieve them, your vendors to achieve them, partners and so on? And it's interesting as we kind of head uh, into the end of the year. As people are kind of, you know, saying 2018 is going to be a great year. We're going to we're going to grow by X amount, you know, and all these things. And uh, I've asked a couple uh, CEOs, and I'll say, well, okay, that's that's amazing. Like, what's uh, do you have a plan to get there? And they're like, well, yeah. you know, no, not yet. You know, and then I'll say, okay, well, it sounds like you know, the odds of that happening are are actually, you know, outstanding, right? I mean, no plan, and you're just going to grow by 50. percent That's uh, <laughs> so. I mean, you got it. Clarity is just crucial. I mean, it's crucial for consistent positive results. And, and I think it's a great one to end on because to, in a sense to me, setting clear expectations circles all the way back to the beginning, back to the beginning of understanding and believing that you can, that if they can do it, I can do it. And about having that ambition, that hard work and the desire to succeed, you, ha- you can't succeed if you don't know what success means. If you don't have that desire to reach a certain goal how can you know if you've gotten there? And setting clear expectations kind of closes that circle from my perspective. Is that how you see it? Absolutely. And it's, it's got to be, when we talk about clarity, it's got to be very specific and measurable. I mean, it's you, you're just as you wouldn't say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose weight next year. I mean, you <laughs> say, okay, well, what, how many pounds, right? And what time frame? And, and you know, and then what are you going to do to, to achieve it? And it's the same thing with business goals. It's, you know, whenever I go into any new initiative and I'm outlining this for our team, there's always the purpose of it, the importance of it. What is the actual ideal outcome? What does the completed project look like? What are the success criteria? Like what has to be true when this is finished? Like what are the deadlines? Who's accountable for what? And when I write all this stuff out before we go into it, it's much easier for me to evaluate. Are we, you know, are we on track or not? And when I'm meeting with one of my team members, I can actually check off and say, okay, let's check off all that success criteria to ensure that that's done. Not to mention they've got a blueprint for exactly, exactly. what I'm looking for as before they even go into it. Right. So they know how to succeed as well and they can meet their own ambitions. 
fantastic. Michael, thank you so very much. That wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Michael Mogill, and you can learn more about him and about Crisp Video at www.crispvideo.com. His Twitter account is at mmogill, and he's also on LinkedIn at mogill, M-O-G-I-L-L, and the Twitter was at M-M-O-G-I-L-L. And this, of course, is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.